0: Hello, this is Bad Vibes. Today's video are two stories from No Sleep. I recorded these same stories early on when I started YouTube and I really wanted to redo them and give them the justice they deserve. So I hope you like it. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. I'll say it right now, I grew up in a broken home. Dad drank. Mom drank. That might be why I've never touched a drop. But I'm getting on a tangent here. Most of you already know where the story is going. Dad used to get drunk and blame Mom and I for all of his problems. Mom used to lock me in my room while he... Well, you know what aggressive drunks do when they are upset. I'd say more often or not, my mom's screams and my own sobs were what rocked me to sleep. Then my mom started drinking and becoming numb to the whole thing. First dad kept hitting her and left me to cry in my room. I guess he got bored eventually. Three days after my fifth birthday, dad came in my room for the first time. He had never done that before. Mom had stopped him. He broke my nose that first night. We went to the hospital and I told the doctor I fell down the stairs and he seemed to believe me. It was like clockwork after that. Monday's dad would work late and we rested. Tuesdays and Thursday nights, he was at the bar until well after my bedtime. Wednesdays were the worst. Fridays were normally insults and an occasional slap. Weekends, he drank himself to sleep around four in the afternoon. But Wednesdays, he'd come into my room and do his business. If I blocked the door, it would be a dozen rounds with a belt. If I cried, I'd get a slap for every tear. But if I was quiet and let his knuckles crack against my jaw and let him pull my short hair. I'd never have to make up stories at school. I was an adventurous boy, and no one licked twice when my hands were scraped or I had a bruise on my cheek. I lived for two years, feeling that one night my dad would hit me too hard and I would end up with the angels. Death scared me. One Wednesday, I was sitting in the corner when I saw him, a tall man in my corner. At first, I thought it was a woman. It looked like a black dress fell from the black face. I realized after a moment that it was a robe, a cloak, but I learned that word years later. I knew what I was looking at. I watched TV, I've read books, I knew what death was supposed to look like. But I wouldn't cry. Dad would come in, and I would get the belt, and death would take me away. But for all the pain in my life, I knew I wanted to live. That night, I fell asleep on the floor, huddled in the corner of the room with a halo of moonlight coming from the window, resting around my feet. Death simply stood in the darkest corner of my room, behind the door leading to the hall. He was there every bad night after, always Wednesdays, some Fridays when my dad was in his worst mood. Every night, he got closer. After two months, he would sit on the toy box at the end of my bed, Sitting with his back against the wall, turned sideways, so I always caught a profile of his shadowy hood. Why are you here? I asked one night. He stared at me from the toy box, knees pressed to his chest and arms curled around his shins, almost in the fetal position, though there was no fear in the position, just boredom. To watch, he told me. I swallowed at those first words. I had expected a quiet rasp, like on TV. Death's voice was something more. It was a burly man's confidence and strong. It was a caring mother's naturing tone, a madman's man's laugh and a child's giggle. It disturbed and comforted me. To watch what? I asked. He simply looked at me. I saw his eyes for the first time that night. I had always expected soulless pits there. Instead, I found blue orbs and a bleached skull. Those orbs held the galaxies, internal and non-existent. Everything and nothing lived in the shadows of his cloak. Those contradictions comforted me. Over you, child, Death responded. I had thought he lied to me, and I grew upset. I asked him why he never stopped my father. It's not my place to intervene, he told me. I asked him what he meant. He told me that he couldn't stop my father, even if he tried. He was simply there to guide me if my worst nightmare ever came true. After that night, death was more of a father to me, in a way my own never was. The next week, he brought a thick, leather-bound book. Within were fairy tales, dark and light themes, in countless languages. He told me the stories in the voice of my grandmother, who died when I was four. When I got older, he stopped bringing the book. Instead, we stayed up till the crack of dawn, talking. I asked him about the afterlife, and why things are the way they were. He always answered vaguely, telling me that I'd understand one day. He stayed with me and comforted me until dawn peeked over my neighbor's roof. Then the sunlight would touch his black robe, turning it into a blind white. Then he was gone. He'd be back next week, and I'd get ready for school. I never tired when death spoke to me. Life went on. When I was 12, my doctor fixed my notes for the third time and started asking questions. Within three weeks, I was taken from that home and put in an orphanage. In a Hollywood moment, my family doctor, who had heard about what had been happening from a friend at the hospital, adopted me. He and his wife had been trying for a child for years, but they never did. I lived a happy life after that. I never forgot what happened to me in my youth, though. I followed in my new father's footsteps and became a physician. Sadly, jobs were tight, and I took a role in the morgue. All those years around death helped me work with my new job, and I enjoyed it. My heart broke when my new mother was in an accident. I was the one that put the toe tag on her. I had to take the rest of the week off. But death was there that day. He stood in the corner of the storage room when I closed the drawer Holding his skeleton hand was a little girl with green eyes and chocolate hair. I had seen my mother's family pictures and knew it was her, around seven years old. It hurt me, but death nodded to me, and I knew that he would take care of her. In my lifetime, I've closed a drawer on four of my parents. Dad drove into a storefront when driving drunk. I had to leave the room when they wheeled him in. I would have spat on his cold husk of a body if I didn't. Mom drank herself into an early grave a year later. I pitied her when I closed the drawer. He had broken her soul and she died in pain. Though my mother left the morgue the same way that my new mother did, I still remember the screams when death dragged my father through the floor, a red hot chain and metal collar strapped around his neck. My father, the man that saved my life, died four years ago. He went quietly in his sleep. I volunteered to close the drawer on him. When I did, death arrived and took a little boy with dark hair and blue eyes. You may wonder why I'm writing this. In truth, I'm not quite sure myself. I guess I want to tell people not to fear death. He's a gentle being with a crappy job and he saved my life. With the life he gave me, I've married, I've raised three children, two girls and a boy who look just like their mother. I have nine grandchildren, and two great-grandchildren, and a third on the way. I lost my wife last year to a heart attack. It still hurts me to think about, but I know that she didn't fear death. She knew my story, the one I'm telling to you now, and she went in her sleep, holding my hand. As I write these final thoughts, I look to my window. Out there I see a figure in the street, snow-blowing white on black robes. A moment ago, I opened the window to invite him in. When you live this long, you learn how to treat guests right. Now he's standing in the corner, patient as the day I met him. When I'm done with this post, I'll turn off my laptop, put the little girl he brought with him on my lap and close my eyes. My wife will close her brilliant blue eyes and rest her crimson locks on my chin. I'll take a breath and fall asleep. When I wake up, I'll be with my family. I'll see my mother and father again. I'll see my birth mom, happier than she was in life. I'll see my four dogs that I've had in my lifetime too, hopefully. Mortimer, death calls from the corner. I sigh and type faster. If I could say one last thing, I'd like to quote Blue Oyster Colt. Don't fear the Reaper, because after all, people are the real monsters. As a kid, I lived with neglectful parents at best. At worst, dad would turn his screams and fists on me. But I've learned quickly how to dodge the worst of it. Mom wasn't much help. She'd just smoked in the kitchen and bitch at him for staying out so late. At the time, we basically lived in the middle of nowhere. Our nearest neighbor were a long walk away for a six-year-old, and we had trees between us. No one to run to for help. But I was a pretty small kid at my age. I learned that I could fit pretty much anywhere, the closet, dryer, I think even once I tucked myself under the futon in such a way I could still get some air, but no one could see me. I was a master at hiding, but not for a good reason. One night I chose to do something different. I could hear my dad's yells. He was pissed and was about to get violent. Mom wasn't helping either, just piling fuel onto the inferno of a flame. I knew I had to find a good hiding spot. I had gotten an idea a few days before, when I realized that the lattice covering the bottom half of our porch had a hole in it. Not big enough to fit a full-grown man, most likely, but I could fit my skinny six-year-old in there no problem. So wrapping myself in my blanket and grabbing my hippo stuffy, I snuck out the window and ran into the backyard. In the middle of autumn, when it was 40 degrees out and temperatures were steadily dropping, I crawled under the porch, scraping my elbow and getting splinters in my palms, but I fit inside. It was actually quite spacious compared to most of my hiding spots. I couldn't sit up all the way, but I had plenty of room to spread out my limbs. Of course, I was getting covered in dirt. It had rained a few days ago, so the mud was still a little wet. I wrapped myself in my blanket the best I could and settled in for the night. But soon, even with my blanket and my hippo, My teeth were chattering so hard, and I could barely breathe. I didn't want to go back inside, knowing that if my dad caught me, I'd be in for the whipping of my life. So I just toughed it out. Honey, are you cold? The voice was not the voice of my mother, scratchy from all the smoking and screeching she did. It was sweet, like honey. I turned over to see a dim outline of a woman, lying on her stomach next to me. She had a pretty butterfly necklace, It was dirty like I was. I nodded, not wondering how she'd been down there without me noticing. The woman belly crawled forward and wrapped her arms around me, and I suddenly became warm, like I was sitting next to a campfire. I snuggled in her arms, not mine in the mud. After all, we were both dirty. You've gotten so big, the woman said, examining my face. How old are you now, Alex? Six "'How did I know this woman again? "'I didn't think I did.' Six, the woman gasped. "'You're all grown up then. "'I'm so happy.' "'She sighed pleasantly and stroked my hair. "'I had never felt so cozy in my life.' "'What's your name?' I asked. "'She smiled. "'I could hear it in her voice. "'I'm Lily. "'What's your favorite things to do?' "'I had to think for a second. "'I like board games and coloring.' Lily chuckled. "'Just like me, then. Could never get enough of Scrabble. But I guess you're still young to play that, huh?' I nodded. "'I want to play it, though. I like the tiles. Would you play with me?' I heard Lily sharply inhale. "'I... I don't think I can. Your daddy put me under here, and I can't leave, but...' She thought for a second. "'Alex, could you do me a favor?' "'Of course.' This lady was so nice, why wouldn't I do her a favor? When you wake up in the morning, go to the police station. Ask for the officer named Lowell Joyce. Tell them where you can find Lily, okay? Underneath your back porch. He will come and get me, okay? And then maybe we can play Scrabble. Yippee! I was too excited at the possibility of playing Scrabble to notice how Lily's voice caught at the end. I nodded vigorously. I'll do it. We can be on the same team, right? Lily softly laughed. I'll help you understand the rules. Good night, Alex. When I woke up the next morning, I heard Lily's voice. Go now. Your dad's gone at work. I'll tell you how to get to the station. Rubbing my eyes, I crawled out from underneath the porch and went to my house to grab my shoes and coat. I shivered in the frosty cold, but I thought Lily was right behind me. After my shoes and coat were on, I started walking. It was long enough to get to the neighbor's house. I can't remember how long it took to get to the police station. Although I have no idea why no one pulled over to see what the hell a six-year-old in his dirty pajamas was doing walking alongside the road. But Lily kept guiding me onward. Wait. Okay, cross the street now. Turn right here. Keep going. You've almost made it. I nearly collapsed with exhaustion by the time I walked into the station. The guys were in the front chatting and having a good time and didn't see me until I was almost at the front desk. Whoa, kid. You okay? One of the officers knelt down to my level, eyes wide. I nodded. I'm okay. Can I speak to Lil' Joyce? One of the officers picked me up. Sure, kid. Sure. Let's go get you someplace warm. Holy shit, your lips are blue. I remember quietly scolding the man to watch his language. Shit was a bad word. I was given some warm cocoa and wrapped up in the blanket by the time the old man with a graying mustache sat by me. Hey kid, I'm Sheriff Joyce, what's your name? Alex. I sat down my cup and looked him straight in the eye. I was told to tell you that Lily is under my back porch. You need to go and let her out so she can play Scrabble. I had never seen a grown man turn pale before. Lots of things blurred together at that point. I remember being taken back to my house and there were a lot of police cars and people around. The back porch was surrounded by yellow tape and someone was taking a black bag away while my dad was in handcuffs. After that, I lived with my grandparents, which were Sheriff Joyce and his wife. I tried to ask him what happened and who Lily was, but I always got shut down. I was too young to know. But life got better, a lot better. Grandpa was the best man I could have hoped for in my life. We went out on weekends to the movies where he let me have a giant soda even though I had to pee in the middle of the movie. When I asked him if I could drink when I was 13, he let me try beer. I spat it out and didn't touch it again. He never judged me for my love of art, letting me paint my whole bedroom multiple times over the years. I felt safe around him. He never laid a hand on me. My grandmother was amazing too. Over the weeks she would homeschool school me, along with teaching me things that you wouldn't learn in school, such as how to respect others and not to take their crap, and cooking, lots of cooking. I could make my own birthday cake by the time I was 12, but I usually made them for my friends. I had a lot of those after I was free from my dad. When I turned 16, grandpa took me back to my dad's house, the whole thing had been bulldozed over, but I could still see some yellow tape wound around a few of the trees, faded and torn. We sat on the back of his truck. He had opened a beer and drank half of it before setting it down and grabbing me an orange soda. After I drank it, he told me, "'Lily was your mother.' "'Good thing you didn't tell me when I was drinking. I would have had it coming out of my nose.' "'My mom?' I questioned, confused." your actual mom the woman that you lived with with your dad was not your mother my granddad grabbed another beer lily was my daughter i loved her so much but when you were around 6 months old she vanished my stomach dropped my dad just imprisoned her under the porch i asked starting to feel sick grandpa took another deep breath before setting the unopened beer down that's something i'll never be able to understand Lily told you to find me and that she loved Scrabble? Yeah. She kept me warm that night. I would have probably frozen to death if she hadn't been there. I was a stupid kid. Even I knew that. Grandpa went dead quiet before he opened the beer and slammed the whole thing. Alex, Lily had been dead the whole time she was gone. When we dug her up, she was bones. Experts confirmed it and your dad confessed what happened. They had gotten into a fight and he threw her down the stairs. And she broke her neck. He clenched his fist. I knew he had something to do with her disappearance, but I never had proof until you walked into my station covered in dirt, telling me that she was under your porch. I was floored. I couldn't breathe. All I could do was shake my head. But I saw her. She was alive. She had a butterfly necklace. I trailed off and Grandpa pulled out the evidence baggie from his pocket. There was a butterfly necklace, all right, rusty and parts of the paint chipped off. But I remembered it clearly, as I remembered Lily's voice. Grandpa took a shaky breath as he pressed the bag into my hands. "Lily loved you so much. It's why she stuck around with that bastard. You were her whole world. She was constantly taking pictures of you and sending them to us in the mail." Sometimes a mother's love can accomplish things that no humans can do. My eyes overflowed with tears as I clutched the necklace to my chest, choking on sobs. I leaned against my grandpa. He held me tight, and I swear I felt a few of his tears hit the top of my head. And just for a brief moment, I swear I felt the warm love I felt that night under the porch.